Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a Thursday edition of the MSP Initiative Live. Today is January 12th, 2023. You better be out of vacation mode because the year is already underway. I don't, and I, I hear all the time, right? Certain parts of the world, you know, hey, yeah, we don't kind of take the holiday, right? You know, all the way into the middle of January. Well, you better put that, you know, away and on the shelf and let's get back to the grind because. Man, I can't, I just, I've lost track on how much business has been done from like the second week of December until now. It's just been absolutely amazing. I've heard this now all over the place. I've heard some people are like, hey, I tried to take off that week in between Christmas and New Year's, but it just <laughs> didn't happen. So uh, I, I've, I've talked to many people across the spectrum. I'm hearing it across the board. Um, let's get 20, let's get all these things in now before, you know. What, what all the industry finance talking heads have been saying going into this year happens, you know, get it in now. How about that? Although I did talk to a guy earlier today that um, said that he thinks that this industry is one that, you know, isn't necessarily going to be affected as much by recession. We've heard that as well, but let's not, uh, you know, let's err on the side of caution, shall we? Two special guests today. One, you've both of these gentlemen, uh, you know, I think you've you've seen in one form or another uh, across this series, but you have Mr. Kenny P back. Welcome, Ken, and Pete from Equilibrium. How are you doing today, Pete? Oh, yeah, you got your new car. Okay, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Oh, here it goes. Oh, hold on, hold on. Here it goes. Uh, <laughs> we haven't seen that one come out in a while. Yep, that's right, because, you know, listen. If you can go into Minnesota and take care of business, which you're capable of as the Giants, New York football Giants, I am happy to open my doors and welcome all of you Giants fans to South Philadelphia because the NFC playoffs come through South Philadelphia. And we're, we're happy to invite people into the frigid cold and, you know, give you a little bit of Philly hospitality. Funny, the funny know. thing about what George says is the only Philly hospitality you're going to be getting is from George. The other 60,000 Philly fans that are going to beat the shit out of you for walking in with giant stuff. Well, if you Actually, remember I used those... to, I, I tell you, I used to go up where George is sometimes in nosebleed territory when he's posting. And I would wear my giants and I would go to seven, you know, eight Eagle games and they would know me coming in and, uh, you know, they knew that one game I would be wearing Giants attire and everybody would be like, but you know what? They were, they were pretty friendly about it. You know, they knew that they knew that they, you know, I had been there enough. So the people in the sections are always the same people in the same sections. It's, it's you been, know, it's been, it's been a while since you've been to a game, I would assume Pete, because uh, when I bring people to games, I, I tell them exactly what they're going to expect. And, you know, lo and behold, it's, uh, it's definitely fun watching what happens upstairs with the people uh, while the game is, you know, matriculating on the field, but. Oh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of conversation going back and forth between <laughs> yelling, Oh, you, you know, but you know, you dish it out and you thumb it up and. Uh, it goes right. on. I, 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 I've seen many things go flying people included, but. That's true. Hey, I can't yeah. say that pretzels and, you know, of course, you know, all of those good things, but. Someone yeah. throws a pretzel at Pete, he's eating it. Just saying. I, well, I might, but it might be too many The pretzel's carbs. like $8. I mean, that's ex that's an expensive pretzel. Well, they should be them. throwing them around. I guess Philly's rich. Yeah, oh, I don't know about that. They surely, <laughs> you know, like any other stadium, you're, you're stuck inside, you got to pay. I mean, it's funny because, you know, you go to the Super Bowl, and one of the things you see every year is like, you know, the thing that's usually like, it's already expensive, but like just on the edge of tolerable, you go to the Super Bowl, and now it's like 25 bucks instead of eight. And you're like, what? Uh, 
<laughs> and you're yeah. still stuck buying it. Eggs. Well, eggs, yeah. That's that's the new thing, right? Now all of a sudden eggs are becoming like the new oil. Super what's funny. What's funny is regular old eggs are what everybody's like, you know, talking about going up to eight dollars. But believe it or not, if you go the one thing I apparently at Trader Joe's that's cheaper is eggs. The actual organic eggs are cheaper than these uh these, you know, the regular old eggs that require more processing or whatever. Kind of an interesting, weird thing. I uh, I just I didn't realize how how in demand eggs were until we started seeing the memes on all of the platforms, and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, we're and we're lucky. You know, Chris on our team has chickens, ah. and then they produce. You know, he's producing eight to ten eggs a day. Wow! And when the eggs are there, if you don't wash them and do certain things to them, they last, right? Huh. So, so they, they last a lot longer when they're instead of the ones that so are keep the mucus on the egg. It protects it. Yeah, it actually, it actually <laughs> does. It's got a protection. Hmm. So, and of course, you know, out on our farm, maybe one day we'll have our own coop with our own. Interesting. Hey, let's bypass the supermarket. We'll just make our own food. It's interesting. That's right. that's, that's and I'm sure not everybody can do that, but Hey, you know, no, when you can, you me. will. Not you don't me. want to. I'm you don't want to, to get my in. eggs. No chicken coop in the backyard, there, Ken. No, no. Only chicken coop would be. Well, never mind. We won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. 2023. Obviously, there's all this current events happening, and and there's no shortage of you know things Stories. in technology land that are occurring. Other than it seems like there's a lot of people that have been cut from very recognizable names and. I feel like every week I guess I see an announcement in the headline that so-and-so company cut 10% of the workforce. And I, you know, like now all of a sudden in a field where technology had negative, uh, you know, you know, fillings of positions, right? Because there's more positions than there were people. It has definitely flipped around, right? There are now more people than there are positions. Do you agree with that? Yeah, but uh, I, what I'm also noticing, there are some companies hiring like crazy. I mean, we can throw them out there uh, and it'll help, it'll only help them, but Nerdio and um, Quick Pass, like some of these companies are still doing very well and hiring at a pretty high rate. Like I, I feel like Nerdio has three new employees a week over the last yeah. month or so. So there has been a flip side effect to that. I think part of what you're talking about are these players that say, hey, We've been here a little while, but we haven't been in the channel. We're ready to take the channel on. And then they jump into the channel, spend like crazy, hire like crazy, and then they give up. It's almost like in Pete's world, people who think marketing happens in three or six months. It feels like they jump in. They think it's going to be the silver bullet. It's going to be magic. We jump into the channel. We get a couple people that people recognize, and boom, we're in the channel. And they give up fairly quickly, or they're not doing the things that they need to do. And then before you know it, we went a little bit on the side path, right? Some of the companies <laughs> that are cu- being cut are like Citrix and Cisco and Microsoft and Google and Amazon, right? But, you know, let's talk about the channel for a second and what you're talking about. I mean, here's the misalignment, right? I don't think I've seen any company in, in a 12-month period who's come out of, you know, startup mode, go into what we call this or what I, at least I call the sandbox and be able to you know, matriculate quickly, right? I would say at the minimum, in order for any new, you know, entry into the space, you know, to have any real success, you're talking 
maybe two or three years, right? Like that's the beginning, like run, right? To kind of establish who you are, explain, you know, what your value is, get any sort of momentum. The problem is, is that when you're bringing on money and in in this realm, you know, VC and PE seems to be one of the most, you know, know, way, you know, one of the most common ways these companies raise capital, there's, they're already running on a three to five year clock. So there's a misalignment, right? If you need at least three years to establish yourself and begin to build momentum, and you know, you're already on a three to five year clock, there, you know, like you can't wait that time if that's what the requirements are on the other side to like turn, you know, turn that money that you're bringing in into something. So I think that's largely where, you know, there's, you know, uh, misfiring, right? Um, and whoever's telling these people, I don't know where they're getting their information from to your point, Ken, that this is like a quick win. I've seen way more people come in six, eight, 12 months, hit the red button, eject, cut the whole team and move on. Then I have people come in and gone the distance and succeeded. So, but, you know, but it's, the it's other side like, of that too is, hold on. I was listening. Yeah. Here's my analogy. I was listening to the radio today. And we always love people coming into South Philadelphia because it's cold and it's loud and there's beer bottles flying. Well, for football games and, and playoff games, but eh, the Eagles from a home field advantage in the playoffs, kind of 50-50, right? Like the argument is, is there an advantage historically? Okay, back to this point. I, I think that the, the odds flip the story around and that the picture needs to be that there's a longer run in there. Go ahead. Yeah. Keith. I, I think some of it too, though, is, is the way that these uh, the money is fed into these organizations to hire those teams. And then the pricing structure is out of a line. So it's so heavily discounted to get subscribership on a lot of mm-hmm. the SaaS companies mm-hmm. that the uh, spend is way ahead and it never catches up. There's no break-even point. So they say, you know, we're going to give it six months, but they're selling it at 50 cents a license when they really know, need to sell it for a buck 25 a license. You know, well, they've discounted the product mm-hmm. so much to try and get the, the attraction and you know, that, that alignment isn't there either, you know, I've already, I've already heard, but to your point, I've already heard like a true up on that story because a lot of these new people aren't coming in and saying, Hey, we're going to give you this price as a kind of early adopter. And it's going to hold for eternity. They're like, Hey, we'll give you this price for a year. Right. And now they're Mm -hmm. putting a time basis to whatever this special intro, please adopt my solution product is, which is how to offset what you're saying, Pete, right? You can still, you know, kind of put the carrot out there, bring them in the door, but put a time to it. Right. But I I think that's just a more recent adoption that we're starting to see, you know? So a lot of these companies over the last 12, 15 months that, you know, what did we see? We've seen what, at least probably five to half a dozen of these companies come in spend six, seven months and say, we're out of the channel. We're going to go direct. Yeah. We're going through distribution only. And, and that's how we're going to run our program. Right. Uh, because that was, that just wasn't a line, you know? Well, I, I think part of the, you know, like, I don't care who it is and I don't care where they started. Any t- anybody that's ever, you know, invested in a company that was channel focused. The first question they said is when can we start selling in the enterprise? Right. It's the first thing that comes out of the mouth of any investor and I, you know, it comes back to the whole model of, you know, hey, you know, there's some companies that have been successful in, you know, becoming, you know, starting as a channel only company and not creating conflict. And then there's other companies that come the other way, right? They start off in enterprise, Fortune 100, Fortune 500, larger businesses, 
and then start to come downstream and then kind of, you know, kind of hit a brick wall a little bit. So I'm curious, right? You know, because you guys are talking to people as often as I am. How often are you still hearing the gripe of, hey, I don't want to compete with my with my vendor, you know, with, you know, to an end user that could call that vendor directly and adopt that solution versus getting it through me? Yeah, that's, I mean, obviously, that's still a very real thing, as you know, right? And, 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 and I just heard it on, on a level that uh, I don't see happening, but, you know, even even some of the bigger companies are, or the more mature companies are trying to find ways to help, uh, let's just say from an MSP, strictly MSP side, right? The vendors, some of the vendors and distributors are trying to find ways to go direct to the end users to help the MSPs. And then the MSPs are getting nervous about that, even that part of it, because they're saying, whoa, 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 if you can go right to them, I, I, it's, it's a double-edged sword because it's like, uh, it's like anything else we talk about. You've been burned so many times you feel, you know, remember when HP said they were, you know, with us <laughs> and then we found out they weren't with us. And when Dell said they were with us and they were, you know, the larger companies who said, oh yeah, we sell direct, but it's not affecting you guys. And then you found out that they were getting cheaper pricing direct than they were through any distribution program we could find. But there are vendors and distributors out there now who, I don't think they would ever go that direction because it's too much work. Nobody wants to do the work. Nobody wants to jump into doing the actual work piece of it. They'd rather the MSPs do the work and they want to find a way to make that connection. But getting back to what you were saying, yes, they're still nervous about anybody eating their their dog food, right? I mean, they they want they want they want to be able to get out there and do their work. I mean, look, we still have people even in this day and age where we're trying to teach the to get away from the castle mentality, as you call it, George, and break away from that, who still feel that other MSPs are the problem, as opposed to even the vendors. So, you know, it's hard to break them away from one thing, but then oh, by the way, you got to watch out for it over here. Um, I think the vendors need to get better about it and how they do it and what they work. Cause there are still vendors that um, delve into that and definitely do have access to end users and say, well, if they're a certain size, we have to help them because they're not going to go to an MSP. Okay, sure. But how do you define that? Where is that defined? Where does the line, where's the line? Well, I mean, you don't cross. I think part of the problem in any, in any relationship of this kind is data, right? So like, what are the data points? Well, you know, if you ask your partners, what's, you know, how many customers do you service and what are the sizes of the customers you service? Yep. Once you get to like, I don't know, 200 and above, the list filters down to single digit percentages, right? I mean, yeah. most of the people in this space probably don't, you know, like they may have one customer of that size, but that's right. It. Well, and when you get up to that size, you're, you're leaning more towards commit, you know, and, and doing yeah. things like that. Yeah. No, right? I, I get that. I mean, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, I think, you know, if you were to set a really high number, right? What if it's 500 and above? Now the num now it's like, I could probably count them on my hands, right? Right. You know, so like, that's probably the demarcation point, right? Where like, you're not going to create a conflict. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you got to make sure that they're sticking to that, right? One, one case where they stepped over that line is going to send the MSPs into a tizzy, right? It's going to make but, everybody think, holy crap. Know, and I, and I think, you know, another thing is, is where is their product positioned best, right? A lot of times the, the product's not positioned to go upstream or downstream. So the adoption rates get tougher. 
And since they don't understand that model or, or the audiences, you would say, of where, you know, where their tiers are of who they're addressing, you know, bringing an enterprise class product down into SMB MSPs is, is tough. Yeah, because it, it's complex to use, it's complex to learn, it's another portal for them to take on, and they've already got 500 of them. They, I, I think a lot of times these vendors don't really look at the challenges of the MSPs before they dump it, they jump in and expect that return, you know? Fair, uh, that's fair. I mean, complex, complexity, you know, is definitely complexity, training, and implementation, right? Yeah. Kind of rubber band all just just together. just throw one thing out there sap and that'll just tell you all you need to know yeah. right it, it, <laughs> you yeah, just throw or, something like that hold, at hold the SMB we don't, we don't they, even have you know, to go sap how about just salesforce that's not right right right, right. yeah lisa how are you happy 2023 thank you hey guys i'm a vendor and i would say support right because we're and it's not necessarily someone who's supporting you guys but from our standpoint, we've got 30,000 partners to support. Do we want to go now support 30,000 times 500 or 200 or 100? Yep. No way. doesn't make any sense. We have our own issues with support, let alone trying to add end <laughs> user support into the picture too. <laughs> it's so funny that you said that, Lisa, because just yesterday, someone asked me that question when I was at about, about being at PAX 8 and said the very same thing. What's the stop PAX 8 from offering these bundles to, you know, to direct and, and not having the MSPs do that. And I said the very same thing you just said. They have thousands of MSPs to support. They don't want to support all these end users and go down that road. It's much too much to take on. So that's a good point. Uh, I mean, listen, and, and you know, um, I, I think that it depends who you're talking to in the organization, right? You're talking to the sales leader or sales leaders. And if a, if a big company comes through the door, you know, that would the, be the equivalent of 50 or 100 downstream MSPs or resellers to that one customer, sometimes they will take that one customer on depending on the company, right? I'm talking about as an actual company-wide move, like a, th a move that would- Yeah, like, like, say, a, hey, we're like dealing, a focus- we're like going direct. I, for enterprise. And again, being, being someone who knows the inner workings from a, just talking about PAX 8 as itself- I know that that's not the direction they would ever want to go. And I sure. do know, and I do see, and I use them as a model of what's the right thing to do, because I know as they're working this out, the last thing they want to do to Lisa's point is take on that support because the support that they're dealing with right now is already a bit overwhelming. I mean, you think about while I was there an NCE thing got flipped, they did 55,000 tickets in a day when NCE yeah. got flipped over, right? That's and they were the only distributor to not get knocked out by that, which is pretty impressive. So during, for thinking about that, I know that you would never want to take on the thing about, do you really want to take on the needs of what MSPs have to deal with? You know, the end users that they deal with and the issues this that isn't, come up? This isn't, this isn't hypothetical, Ken. I mean, again, not trying to point fingers, but Kaseya has been selling, has a direct sales team and a MSP sales team you know, that, that sell and target and market and like go through the process every day to the point yeah. when all I can say to... is though, all I can say is I can talk about how to do it right. And that's what I was talking about. The other <laughs> okay, thing I'm but, not, you know, okay. I'm not going down that road, but for, for me saying the way to do it right is what their thought process is. And, and it really is about the, the MSPs, right? That's all about the MSP side yeah. of things. And, and to Lisa's point, I'm not sure what vendor she's with, but um, uh, to her point, 
it's 100% accurate. If you're, if you know what you're doing and you're looking at it properly, there's, there's a lot of sides to it, right? You don't want, first of all, do you really want to upset all your people that you're, you know, you know, I'm a big community guy, taking your community and turning it upside down by working against them. It doesn't work for anybody. But then sure. on top of that, having to support all that extra stuff and get those. Plus, if you can help your community out by building them up and dropping stuff on them that that's already done, you know, you, hey, I did this bundle. This is what they have. It matches up to your, you know, what you do. Um, that that's going to build your community up, right? The people are going to say, this is great. These guys do these wonderful things. And that's what they've done over the four years. Okay, I was but hold on. Let me flip it around another way. Oh, I know what you happens. Will. Hold on. What happens going back to go, what happens if an enterprise company like maybe waters down their solution, right? You know, maybe makes it a little more basic and offers it as a separate skew into MSP land, right? Now, all of a sudden, it's not the same product. It's at a different price point, And like, ultimately, it's not Apple for Apple. I mean, you find this in the big box you know, Costco. Right. But are, they, are you, you saying know, they offer that directly to end users? Is that no. what you're saying? No, I'm saying they offer a different SKU to end users, but what's offered through MSP land is a different SKU, different version of the product. Well, we already know there's many businesses that do that, right? We yeah. we know that, you know, I don't even know what they're what, what the final company, but WebRoot is a very good example of that. Um, you know, back in the day when they had windshield wiper, I guess I'm dating myself, uh, where you could get in Staples and buy windshield wiper, which was their cleaning, you know, computer cleaning solution. They had all this stuff and then they decided to go channel and they tried to, they switched that up. And I think they did back in the day, a very good job of keeping them separate. I actually saw, I was in their corporate office one uh, once and I got to see both sides of the business, which it's funny, the, the, the home user side. The phones were ringing and going crazy and the MSP side, not so much, uh, much more, you know, social click links, text. So that was interesting to see. And they did a pretty good job of, you know, having that fine line. The question always comes up, George, is are they doing anything crossover? Are they going direct because they have lists of people of people's direct contacts? And, you know, we've seen companies do that. So it's all a matter of, you know, are, are, is every vendor being above board with this? And when they do it, how are they doing it? Your your example of you know one one case here and one case there that definitely happens. We know that Datto had done that in the past when they, they and they would be honest about it. That's what made Datto great back in the day is they would say, "Hey, look, no one's landing this ten million dollar end user for what their needs are." So we figured we'd have to we'd help them, and they do it direct, and they would it'd be honest about it. It's the ones that are doing it on a much larger case basis and going right directly after the clients and in you know making a dent and maybe some of, some of those customers and the ones that are getting emails from those companies saying something different than what you're talking about when you're selling it to them well it, they, yeah. i mean that goes where you know a renewal notice gets sent to an end user that it's time right. to renew a firewall software that's a that's a perfect example right your your subscription is up it's time to renew and then all of a sudden it gets forwarded over to the msp and saying why aren't you telling me about this and then it creates this cycle and this spin of now the MSP is upset with the vendor and the vendor's like, yeah, but we do that. That's what we right. do. It's part of our, it's helping you to get better. But in the end, if the MSP doesn't do it, they're going to sell it direct. But sure. at, at, to your point, they're not going to say we're going to sell it direct. We're helping you, right? We're helping your customer reach back out to you. That's yeah. why we do it. And the flip right? side... The flip side too, George, is the same thing we always get back to. It's about education, right? The MSPs have to understand how to 
be better about what they're doing and how they're putting it out there. And, you know, I always say, let's stop selling. We don't need to sell. We need to be more prescriptive because of what we do. And I still say we, because I was an MSP for a longer than I've been on the vendor side, but it's all about educating and understanding that first of all, a lot of this happens when you go to them and tell them every single piece of what you sell and, and what it is, as opposed to a package that you can change on the back end. They don't care about the tools. They just want to know what it fixes for them, right? What solutions it provides. So when you're not doing that and not having access to that, they don't really see that side of the business. And if something on the back end needs to be switched, you switch it, right? We talked about this. Hey, this weekend we're doing an update. You remove one, you add the other one in. If they're being educated about those types of things and you're being above board with everything that you do from a standpoint of the business side of things, I don't see a lot of those things affecting that. Like a uh, perfect example is back in the day when Dell and HP were competing with us. I used to go to, I used to tell every customer, not right away. I learned it over time. Listen, you can buy this direct and probably get it cheaper for sure. But are you paying me for my expertise and how to keep that protected and how to keep that working properly and how to, uh, you know, pr procure the right device and do all the things that go along with that? that's what's built into that price, right? So I did pretty good with hardware back in the day because I was honest, I'm not gonna be the cheapest. You can buy hardware anywhere, but you're not paying me for hardware purchases. You're paying me for the whole package, for what we know. We're gonna put the right box in the right place and we're gonna protect it properly. And so they're, as they're we start to do to, that- to do right, the research. Right, exactly. We're gonna do the research. We're gonna, do. yeah. And I, I never, and I started getting to the point where I didn't allow people who had their own equipment or did that stuff become a customer become a partner because we knew that we had, we were going to be on the hook for that. Little did I know, not that I'm saying that I knew what would happen now, now more than ever, these MSPs have the liability hanging over their head for so many things. You know, I think you got to take the, uh, the tech Vera way of my way of the highway, right? Remember those guys would say all the equipment, at least at some point has to be under our umbrella. You have to have a path to get there or else we're not taking you on as a client. Love that approach. Wow. You know Let's flip over to the other side of what's happening, right? I mean, yeah, you know, I guess all the rage right now is chat GPT from a company called OpenAI. I think Microsoft <laughs> just uh, put $49 billion or something. Did you, like uh, did you see the the funny part about chat GPT is it's not been, we haven't been talking about chat GPT. How, how long have we been talking about chat GPT? Maybe a month? I mean, really, yeah, solidly, yeah. maybe. In that month's time, it went from what the hell's chat GPT to, hey, this is kind of cool to, holy shit, schools are shutting it down because they're worried about cheating to now it's hackable and you have to be careful of the hacks, the, you know, the security side of the open AI stuff. It's just in that short period of time, we got a whole window of what happens to other SaaS companies. Well, yeah, and, and, we're, I mean, and we're even seeing like little user group forms trying to figure out what the impact to their business is going to be from end users. Like if an end user gets the chat GPT, what do they need my help desk? Because you can just well, go in and type a question and it comes back with step-by-step -step instructions on how to fix something. There's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of potential scenarios, but I think the big picture here is, you know, hey, it's cool. It's a toy. You know, it's right. like a step into this, you know, automation, like AI automation, right? Past the automation we've been talking about for years. You know, at the end of the day, you know, I still think that there's, there's a slippery slope here, right? Let me give you an example. Yeah. We don't have to go too far past uh, December since we're talking about it's only been a couple a month or two. I mean, back to the Frontier Airlines example, right? Hey, can't call us. You can only chat with us. There's a chat bot behind there, right? And it's using similar technology as ChatGPT. 
Yeah. We've seen companies try and go, no, we've taken the frontier airlines model of today and try and apply it to technology land, charge a really low price per endpoint, right? Like a stupid low price. You're just going to chat with us and you can't talk to a human being. And this is how we're going to deliver our service. Didn't scale. But I will tell you that you're right about that. And companies like Crush Bank are doing a pretty good job with the AI on the back end where they don't tell you you can't talk to a human, but their chat AI functionality is tied into so many other areas and learning that it knows how to give answers before you have to get to a human so that it speeds up that process. So there are companies doing that piece of it. What I think from Pete's point about chat GPT is right now, if you just want to strictly talk about positive, it's a great tool. Use it, but but you got to proofread it. My, I think we it was on our call, George, on the Thursday, the, uh, the call that we have, the community call. Someone had mentioned, listen, I use ChatGPT for presentations. I plug in what my needs are. It punches it all out. And I use that as my first draft. And then I send it to the humans to pick it apart and make sure it's where it got. But it does save a lot of time in that first draft because it gives good points and gets you in a good going in the right direction. And somebody just did a whole thing on CMMC on it. And it actually was pretty accurate. So it's, it is doing that first step pretty well. Now we all know the bad things, the negative things that are going to happen. And, you know, it also could start, someone could get in there and start spewing, you know, the wrong information and it could do, it could do the wrong things just from sure. a simple act. Hey, right? make me malware. Right. Yeah. Make, right. Or somebody <laughs> hacks into it and gives you the, you know, a completely wrong answer, but because you're so dependent on chat GPT, you just take that and use that out there. Well, I, I didn't even realize like I think people are using it for posting it. now. Did you I think, uh, did you know that? What people are plugging in some like information about a post, and it'll tell them what to post on social. Yeah, I, I've heard. This. Oh yeah. I mean, I think, I mean you can of... you can write content, chat, put in an idea. And it'll give you the. It'll come back with a full paragraph of. Yeah. And we had except, a customer actually except. come back wanting to write content when the same content's people. being regurgitated to multiple people. Yeah. One, two. There's so many people using this right now. They call, you get messages saying, sorry, we're busy. Come back later. Yes. Yeah, I just I thought I broke it the first time I plugged something out a little different. I was like, oh, I think I stumped ChatGPT, and it turned out the servers were just busy. I, I will yeah. tell you, about a year and a half ago, we took a look at a product called Word AI when we were writing content. And it was similar in nature. You could put in a topic, and then it would come back, or it would look out to the web and look at a bunch of topics and then grab pieces of it and regurgitate it back to something. And it was bad. Grammatically, it was bad. Punctually, it was bad, you know, because it didn't know uh, some of the syntax or some of the proper ways to put the pieces that it was ripping apart back together. You know, you fast forward in a short period of time and how mature the product, you know, with ChatGPT is on, on the comprehensive side of what it can really deliver back to the end user. I mean, it's it, it's pretty impressive of where the product that we 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 looked at, which was supposed to be like the number one in the space back then, to Chappy GPT. It, it, it's wow. pretty it's, impressive. It's this really just, impressive. This this sounds like it's a 2023 version of. Uh, <laughs> can you figure out how to actually do the math, or do you bring a calculator to do it? Yeah. Right. Mm hmm. All right. It's just an evolved version of that problem now. Yep. Because I was one of those kids. I was like, I'm never going to use this in my in the real world. Oh, yes, you will. I'm like, no, 
No, I won't. <laughs> well, you need to do it to pass this class. Okay, I understand. I digress. So I, I think so. So Microsoft has invested in half of this company. They now own forty nine percent. I believe I read, or when the deal is done, they will own forty nine percent. Another company will. Uh, another group will own the other forty nine percent, and then there will be like a two percent holding company. But you know, Microsoft's intent, from what I gather, is that they're going to include it into the Microsoft Office suite, so that effectively it'll just be a feature within the actual Office um, online and, and Office suite. So that's coming in the very near future. I'm sure there's going to be other implementations to this. And at some point, people might pay. I think that's the whole point, right? How do I actually monetize this? They'll pay so that they don't get the, uh, hey, we're busy right now. Come back later and get and get different access, right? But yep. that being said, it'll be interesting to see how this evolves our sandbox. I still, 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 and I mean, JetBlue was probably the first airline since I used Frontier as my example. JetBlue, well, I'm talking like, in the early and mid 2000s, right? They adopted, you know, everybody working from home. <laughs> there is no JetBlue call center. It's just people working from their homes. There's a corporate office where some managers exist, but that's it. And uh, when you call in, you're talking to a human being in their, you know, living room, basement, garage, whatever. I mean, you still got a hold of a human being, right? This whole, I can't get a hold of someone live when I actually need to solve a problem right now. Um, I think that's a bad that's a bad example of where this technology can be abused, and I think we've already started to see it in some of the larger companies, the cell phone companies, and like some of the you know companies out there that are handling so many so much volume. They're not hiring more people; they're just augmenting it with yeah. um, this type of technology, which may help for a little bit. But I think big picture, I don't think you can completely cut out uh, the human element. I, I read a report on Verizon. Because Verizon has like, you know, at six o'clock, they shut off human support. And you can I saw that. Get, and they'll text to your phone. Well, that's great. What if your phone is broke? You know, yeah. what if what if the technology is broke that you're receiving or need to receive the response on? Like, how do you, yeah. you know, how do you get that support? You're calling from another phone uh, that's not yours and it's going to send the response to yours that's broke. that can't turn on or the backlight's not working or, you know. And that, you know, that goes back to a whole different support conversation. But, you know, a, a, a thing that um, Veritas did, now I'm going to date myself as Ken did in, in a prior statement. But, um, and SAS has solved some of it by, you know, being run by the manufacturer or the, or the SAS provider where they can update when they want and maintain the patches and the, the components on the back end. Veritas at one time, if you go back to the days of the tape, um, and tape drives, there were so many variables that they came up with 72% of their support calls were troubleshooting windows and not for a tape drive and not their software. It was a, you know, a code update that the, the drive needed or some kind of controller issue or a driver issue that was all part of windows. And, you know, that's a pretty big number if you think about it. So, you know, wow. SAS has solved a lot of that problem, but you know, the number of users way back then to the number of users now is exponentially grown probably too, so. Sure, yeah, I think part of the problem is, and you know, we've heard about companies who start off small and then grow big, grow big, grow big, and then have to jump platforms altogether. Is there so much technology underneath the hood? Like having, like part of the reason why the sandbox has gotten to where it's gotten to, in my opinion, has been that the integration work was done for you, right? A lot of it. 
You didn't have to go and like take two products that have never talked to each other before and do this, right? You know, and then once you get to a larger realm, I feel like some of that is missing, right? So like that's kind of one of those glass ceiling points where, you know, it takes a huge lift to go to the next level uh, because all of those links aren't there. Um, I still think that the average technology company, IT services company, managed services company, I don't know, whatever type, you know, acronym you want to throw against it, doesn't have enough internal resources from a development or DevOps standpoint to like equip, you know, really do that at any scale. Do you agree with that? I would say, yeah. Plan, plan scale is not necessarily done right or thought of all the time in both directions. Well, whether you're scaling up or, you know, you know, whether you're growing as an organization or you're an organization trying to come down and scale into a, you know, a different base or a different audience. Yeah. The systems have to change to accommodate, you know, where you're going. And, and that's, you know, we, we, we have a partner right now that we deal with and you do too. UK company signature manager, and uh, they just changed the port partner portal. And if you're an existing partner, you have to go through the application process again. Hmm. So that kind of defeats. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm already a partner, so, but I got to reapply. Exactly. Right. So you're, you've got. Uh-oh. Uh oh technical difficulties. Elevator right. music. There we go. Sorry about that. Um, but, you know, that's, that's just one of those things that, like, now you're trying to support your customer and your partner has cut you off till they go through whatever their process is again to reauthorize you and get you in the portal. Like, how does that even happen? Seems, seems odd, yeah. I mean, you got to be careful there because if someone comes to me and says, you got to reapply, I may be reapplying somewhere else. Well, <laughs> sure. yeah. Get. Well, what was that, Lisa? <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, no worries. Um, so how how like do you believe that the you know back to the you know, since you're talking about partners again, the bronze, gold, silver, diamond, platinum, universe, whatever level precious think, metals. Do you still think this works? I mean, like no. I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, that's just the way it's always been. And nobody's gone, you know, is that nobody's like, well, hey, they did it. We'll just Xerox, Xerox, Xerox. Here's Xerox. the here's the here's the thing. Like I always say, there's no silver bullet, right? It, it maybe it works for some people. So I hate to shoot down something and be the person saying that'll never work because it works in some places. And look, when I was doing it, the biggest thing that always happened was I always knew they were taking the middle. It was very rare that they were going for the low plan because I would always kind of shoot at the high plan and then they would land in the middle, right? But now, as we talked about before, now more than ever, there's so much liability in the game that I don't think we can afford to leave stuff out of a plan. I think that every MSP has to offer the, this is the plan, it covers everything you may not use everything in there but it covers everything from a stand now there are some things you can piece in and out right maybe compliance maybe you know hipaa whatever some other things that you can maybe piece in separately but the overall protection should all be rolled into your plan 
automatically they need it. They should have password management. They should have MFA. They should have phishing education and phishing tools. And these things need to be part of the everyday fabric of what MSPs are offering. Because if you look at the statistics, and I did this for four years going through statistics, Microsoft still to this point says over 95% of those hacks, of all the hacks that we've seen that happened, could have been stopped with MFA, password management, or education, which we know education is the biggest one, right? Some kind of phishing tool, but plus the education, some kind of scoring system so that you know that, you know, Jane will click on anything you send her and things like that, getting your people in the right state of mind and making sure you have the right people, you know, in your organization. So so pause the thought, flip it around. Does your vendor take the same approach with you? with their programs and their metal tiers for you to be able well, to- Well, is the vendors, are the vendors programs, you know, is, I mean, vendors have wide, a giant word. Um, so, I mean, cause the vendors offer thousands of solutions, thousands of, it's different. So I don't, I don't hold the vendors to that role unless a vendor was offering a security product <laughs> that doesn't, uh, doesn't protect you a hundred percent. If there's a, is a pro- oh, you know what? This is going to protect you against a couple things, but you know, you also got to be careful of this. And if you want that, you got to pay me an extra 20 bucks. I, I don't know. I haven't talked to a single security person uh, or company that has said that their platform does it all. They well, say, we, yeah. we, we help solve this. These That's things, not true though, George. Layered. That's not true. Some of them do say that. And we always question why anybody would say that, but you're sure. right. I'm not talking, but I'm saying to give them the best layers. I'll put it that way to have the best layers of protection. But from a vendor perspective, like I said, outside of security, there's so many different things. And it's some of the things don't necessarily, you know, plug in with every MSP. But as an MSP, what you're offering to your end users is security, a blanket, a protection. And most of those end users, like we talked about with backup back in the day, and we, we still talk about backup, they assume you're doing it all. Whether you tell them what you did and they don't get it, they assume you're doing it all. So in a backup failure, I've had, you know, I've, I've heard this story a thousand times. Oh, the, the end user come at me and said, oh, you do that for me. And it's like, well, no, we talked about this two years ago. Well, you're kind of at fault too for not revisiting, paying attention and being on top of them for the things that they didn't have, right? So now making sure that they have SaaS backup, making sure that they have the security pieces that I mentioned, you know, proper next-gen AV, all things that you, everybody who knows this business knows you need should be part of your main package. There should be nothing uh, lower. It's, it's, it, se- it seems like half the battle then. I, you know, I, don't, I don't think you'll argue this point, but we'll see. seems like half the battle then isn't the technology per se. It's the understanding of what is and what isn't, right? And there are companies that have popped up to help you do the, you know, hey, here are all the categories that you need to understand. And here's the, you know, kind of green, yellow, red, right? And like all of a sudden they they look at it, they're like, why do I have all this yellow? (laughs) And it's like, why is there all this red? You know, like you're trying to take something very technical and make it understandable by a not technical person. I feel like that's half, I I literally feel like percentage-wise, 50% of the problem. Right. And you don't talk about technical, really. You talk about these are your issues. If you were hacked, if you lost business, how long could you be down? Could you live without your data? You know, all these pieces that have to be educated to them and say, by the way, we can fix that by doing this. And there's no 100% fix, right? We know that's why we have to have layers. We have to have backup 
at every level. We have to be, you know, all these pieces, all these layers come into play. And if they are better educated about those types of things, on top of, you know, many more things that we talk about being more, you know, you're being more consultative, being more of a, you know, prescriptive approach instead of selling them stuff. The problem is, and George, we were a part of this, maybe not you as much being a younger guy, but you definitely have been an MSP for a long enough time to know we're part of the problem. Cause initially we thought we had to go out and sell them shit and we had to sell, sell, sell. We got into that mode of, well, okay, we're not going to take this, but we're going to take this. And we let them piecemeal us to death. But on the other side of it, they started to think of us as used car salesmen, right? Oh, the, te- the, the MSP or technology people, they're going to come in and they're going to try to sell us stuff. And because they don't understand it, because they were, they're not being properly educated to the needs, and because there are some immature MSPs out there that still take that approach and still try to get the sale and still try to drain as much money out of the, you know, the end user, you know, it's an uphill battle trying to come in and say, hey, we're taking this from an educational approach. And, you know, we just want to make sure that you're protected, whether it's with us or with another MSP. This is how yeah, we take I, feel, I feel like what you're saying is a little bit counter to what we've heard forever, which is, hey, you know, technology people aren't salespeople. They're really not great at from, sales. And right. From the other side, so you're right. But that's the problem that makes it even worse because as a techno- technology person myself, I, I was taught, well, you got to go out there and sell. You got to sell, sell, sell. Everything's about making the sale. And you're a technology person, but you're a pretty damn good salesperson now because you've learned over time. We're not the best at it. We're not, you know, but again, how, how, do, we, how do we as MSPs get better? Well, we learn how to educate instead of sell. We know how to do that better. And as long as we learn how to talk to the end users and not at them and not try to sell them stuff the same way we want vendors to do the same thing to us as MSPs, that same approach that goes both ways, that same approach needs to be taken right across the board. The vendors need to talk that way to the MSPs and get the MSPs on board from an educational standpoint. And then the same goes for the end users. We need to teach them what could happen, how, and that these, they have problems and we have solutions. Like I said, be more of the doctor, be more prescriptive. I that's hear also, you. That's I, also I the MSPs. I'm sorry, George. I mean, no, yeah, I mean, the MSPs have to do a better job of training their salespeople too. Yes. That's so what I'm talking about. This this you know, the they, they have to get into what the product is, what the product oh, well, isn't. Time, and, time, and, time, time, time. But huh? if the majority, if like, 75% of MSP land is owner-led sales, right? Because the majority of the MSPs are like 10 people and below. It's But to Pete's point, uh, if they do have salespeople, they have to learn to educate too and stop selling. And and uh, listen, uh, I've been a big proponent of this since before all this came up. Uh, and I don't take credit for it. You know, uh, back in the day, remember Tiffany Bova, who was a big voice in our industry, still is, but a little bit less than she was over the, you know, the earlier years. She gave a speech in front of a big crowd of MSPs and told everybody in the room to go back and fire their sales teams. Now she didn't mean that literally, but but people got freaked out. Yeah, it, it went it went it went exactly as your eye roll. I, I, I missed that one. Yeah, people went completely mad about it. But I took away from it the right part of it, which was listen, we need to stop selling, get these people to start talking, educating and talking on, at a better level with them. They talk about the business side. Paul Redding was another guy that started this earlier. Remember, he used to call it the business solution provider, not the managed solution provider, because it was about business. Start talking about business, not technology. 
that's how you're going to make the connection. So, so, okay. So let me go back to you, Pete. Or is the pit is the is the idea now to take a technical person and make them into a consultative, you know, effectively salesperson versus trying to take a salesperson to let them be a salesperson and then like hand it off after a certain point. Like what? Where's the demarcation point? So, uh, you know, there's that's a real uh, iffy question. Uh, okay. Some will some will tell you that a sales engineer will make a good salesperson because they understand the technology, but a lot of times that person needs to be coached significantly on their soft skills to break it down into understandable chunks that they can present back out. So, uh, you know, that's something that requires some coaching, some training, and things of that nature. The nice thing about taking an SE and moving them over is they're not as price resistant change because they come from more of a technical competency of saying, you need this and this is why you need it. And this is how we protect you. So, so they really present the solution outside of the price. When you bring a salesperson that's not properly trained, price is always the easy conversation, right? Somebody opens up the proposal, they look down, they look at the price and right away that price resistance conversation is there. And, you know, uh, you know, my favorite line is, is before you even give them the proposal is rate your, right. You know, in your opening meeting is rate your technology on a scale of one to 10. And what do you pay for it? And usually when they're at the point where they're shopping, they're at a five or six and they'll tell you the price. Right. And then you say, if I could get you to an eight or a nine, what would you pay for it? And you're testing out their price resistance. Here's some hints out here, salespeople, right? And then you can turn around and you monetized it right there in front of them. And now you have a discussion when you bring your price back and they say, but your price. And you say, yeah, but you told me you'd be willing to pay this. And, and I'm going to solve your pain and I'm going to deliver you a solution that does that. And, you know, some of the other things like a hint, maybe for a takeaway out of here today is go to your insurance company and take your stack and give it to your underwriter and say, how does my stack, am I putting the right things in my stack that are going to help the cyber risk profile of helping these people in cyber insurance? And then go out and market that you've got a letter from the insurance carrier that says, as of this point in time, your stack will pass the underwriters. Right? I don't know that there's many insurance companies that have that knowledge. Travelers is, is huge. They tell They'll you that it. they tell you that they do, but I've heard some pretty ridiculous answers out of insurance companies when you. Uh, I, 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 I can tell you though, their their travelers is probably the one of the best. They've created a whole division now on uh, an SMB can actually call their division. And that division will tell you, hey, one to three months, you need to do this from renewal. Three to six months to your renewal, you should be doing this. Six months to a year in advance, mm. you should be doing this. And they will actually give you things that you should do. And geez, if you're an MSP boy, you, you should be calling that. Take that schedule for them and make that part of your solution. Because now you can say, hey, we've collaborated with your insurance or one of the leading insurance providers, and we can bring that to market. Right. Hey, uh, so that goes into selling your solution, though, and, and selling an overall business concept. I'm going to flip this all around on its ear, George. OK. From a Go standpoint, because I think you're asking the wrong question. OK. I don't think that every SE 
can become a good salesperson because they know the technology and they're going to go that route. And I don't think that every salesperson can do what we do sell. I hate the word sell because I don't want them to sell. I don't think that every salesperson can go into a meeting and talk business solutions for MSP need, you know, for an, for end user needs. I think what has to happen is you have to build your process and your process has to have everything that Pete just talked about, setting expectations when you walk into a meeting, understanding when to walk away, understanding. I used to set expectations on the very conversation itself. I would walk in and say, this is how the conversation is going to go. I'm going to learn a little, I'm going to learn a lot about your business. You're going to learn a lot about my business and we're going to discuss some points and then we're going to decide if there's a fit. If there's not a fit, I'm not walking away from this meeting, leaving you empty handed. I'm going to actually refer you to some other people that may be able to help. If it is a fit, these are your next steps. So every step of the way, there was never a question of you said this, we said that. It's all through a process. The process, every piece of the process had an expectation at the end of it, which is why 90% of the people when they're doing these types of things, if they don't have that, you leave. I've left conversations with people where they hugged me. We love you. This is great. And I would go back to the office and think, yes, they're done. They're going to sign. And then I never heard from them again because I didn't have a process in place that led them to what the next step was that they agreed to on you know every single piece of the way. You have to make sure that you're setting those expectations because even when they do that, the minute you leave, someone's talking to them, whatever happens, things change. There's no way, it's an easy way out because you just left without saying anything to them. Most people leave and then say, oh, we're going to send you a quote later. By the end of that conversation, you should already have it set up, their expectations for what they should spend, why, and if do they have it? What's their budget, right? Pete knows this. Pete's done this a thousand times from a sales perspective. You build those processes and put them in place, and then you see if the people, if the right people fit the right seat for each side of those things. If you still need someone somewhat technical because the conversations are much more security driven, you know, from that perspective. But if you need to get someone who understands the business and can do it, it can be a sales engineer. And sometimes the salespeople can fit that role. And it's actually easier for them because they understand the, the pain funnel. And now they're taking it from a different approach. They're not, they're not all taking it from, I need to sell, sell, sell. I just need to deliver the education, let them know there's a solution to their business problem and keep working the process. The process, as we like to say, Pennsylvania here and on the Philly side, trust the process. That's well, right. More, quite work out that way, but they at least <laughs> said that. Um, so uh, just want to, uh, as we're getting towards the end here, so um, here's the plan moving forward, and we'll touch on this as a reminder, you know, moving forward. So obviously we, MSP Initiative, do these podcasts twice a week, one o'clock Eastern time, unless there's a holiday or something like that in between. But we've been doing that since March of 2020, and we'll continue to do that moving forward. And we have this planned out pretty well, so we'll be bringing in some cool topics moving forward. So you'll find that under live sessions, right? These are where the recordings of these calls uh, in both podcast and video format end up getting parked. Um this year, we mentioned it earlier a couple of weeks ago when we started the year that we are uh, parking the bus. I think the bus was great, but parking the bus, we're doing two in-person events, one in Dallas, one in Denver, two days. We're breaking it up into workshop, you know, you know led by experts, right? So we're going to bring in people like some of these people that are already on the list, and they're going to, you know, kind of paint a picture of a topic. Could be legal for Brad, could be community for Ken, could be prospecting for Ian and Carrie or security for Matt Lee. But effectively, or, you know, we have Pete on there too and Kyle and Eric and we'll add more. But the idea is 
we're going to paint a picture and then lead a workshop because I can't tell you how many times me and probably you have gone to a breakout session and whatever event it was, walked away with, hmm, I should look into a couple of things. Six months later, you didn't do anything. I want you to walk away with a little bit more than an idea, something practical and tangible that you can walk out the door with. So we're doing two of those MSP Community Mind events. Again, Dallas, May 8 and 9, Denver, August 14, 15. And then lastly, and we know, all, you know, the, you know, for everybody that's ever joined us at one of these, the MSP Community Block Parties, we have four tentative one scheduled for 2023. We're still working some of the logistics and working with some of the events that we do these around in order to kind of, you know, hash out some of the details. So we'll let you know when those are ready to be announced. But these are the ones that, you know, you remember, right? And thanks for everyone that uh, came out to one of these last year, especially if you're in Florida and Orlando. Uh, we somehow figured out how to get through a hurricane, force winds and everything that came along with that uh, and, and had the All-American Rejects, which uh, I would say was probably one of the coolest ones we've ever done. So uh, stay tuned for that moving forward. Please keep on coming back here, one o'clock Eastern time live, or you can watch the uh, recorded versions online once they're posted. And uh, Ken and Pete uh, will be, I'm sure, with us throughout the way. Uh, and we'll also be involved in the Community Mind events uh, coming up this year. George, I would say that it was the best one you guys have done yet. Uh I would it say it's going to be, it you know, we're going to have to work hard to top that. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, um, I agree. initiative really put on a, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm bald, guys. There's no more hair to pull out. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, well, I'll let me to... let me let me also say real quick, George, that uh, I know a lot of a lot of the community folks have been you know coming at me um about where i'm going to land since i left pax aid i will say that in the next couple of weeks there will be a very big announcement i uh, i will be making a landing very soon i want to jump into the year and i wanted uh, the the idea was to land someplace where i could have the biggest blast radius for community i wanted to do as much as i possibly could for the msps who need as much help as we can get so um, look forward to that in the next couple of weeks. I'll be making an announcement. I am still tied to these events. I still will be helping George out at the Community Minds thing and jumping on that wherever I land. It's a prerequisite to wherever I go that I'm still doing these things because I think it's important um, in the community. So stay tuned for that. There will be an announcement soon. And uh, I'm just looking forward to getting back out there for 2023 and, and just crushing it with the community and helping everybody just get to the next level. Yeah, hopefully without Pete having to drive his uh, race car around town and uh, and me and you driving in a tour bus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's tour okay. bus or a U-Haul. Now, 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 now I just get to go to the places with it that I, I want to pull it to also, you know, on there that weekend and, and let it, you know, let it run free. There you go. You like to race. I know. I hear. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, thanks for tuning in. Uh, this is going to be good. We, we, we like what we're, you know, have planned for 2023. We hope you join us again. Um, none of this is meant to be salesy. It's just networking guys. Now, as Kenny P always says, the best part of the events that you go to are the hallway bar and curbside conversations and the networking that results from that. Um, so we're trying to make sure we make it possible and yeah, maybe learn a few things along the way. Um, and then if there's an opportunity for you to do work with someone in any facet, that's in front of you, right? Really up to you. So thank you very much, everyone. Catch you on the flip side.